So, all right, so we're continuing our series, okay, and he will make your path straight. And this morning I want to talk about the importance of timing and in, 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 in as we walk the path that God has for our lives. Timing, okay, this, this idea of timing. Timing is everything in life. And if you don't believe me, um, think about the difference between a good joke and a bad joke, Right? You say, well, timing's not that important. A good joke and a bad joke. A, a genius um, comedian has amazing timing. There's some people who tell a joke and you're like, yeah, you know, kind of fake chuckle kind of deal. But a great comedian, it's, it's their timing in the joke that is so amazing. All right? Um, timing is everything when you're cooking. I remember when we first started Grace Chapel, we went out to Saddleback in California and we had a chance to spend time with Rick Warren and his staff and they were helping us plant Grace Chapel. And we went over to one of the staff people's houses and they were cooking. And there is, there is, there's a, a very fine line between a juicy burger and a hockey puck, okay? <laughs> Timing is every... If you leave that on there a little too long with that hood closed, you get hockey pucks, all right? And we got served uh, a bunch of hockey pucks, but we were thankful for it. Uh, anyway, uh, timing is important when you get sick or if you get ill, right? The, the more quickly you can deal with that, if you, if you catch the problem early, you'll be able to treat it more effectively. Timing is everything in finance, right? In the stock market. If you know when to get in and you, you have the right timing, you're just feeling it. You're feeling it and you kind of get out at the right time. Timing. You save yourself thousands of dollars getting in at the right time, getting out at the right time. The first stock I ever bought was a pharmaceutical stock. Can you remember the name of the company? But I was reading like Inc. Magazine or one of those and they were going through different companies. So I thought, yeah, these guys have to know what they're talking about. So I bought the stock I, and uh, I think I paid $5 for the stock. And I watched every day, and within like two or three weeks, it went up to like 40, 45. And so I'm thinking, nah, that's, that's pretty good. And I called my uncle, and I said, you know, uh, here's a stock I have. And I bought it at five. It's like 45 now. And he's like, sell, 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 you know, timing, get out, get out. He looked up the stock, and he said, you know, you went to, the, you went to Las Vegas and hit the, you know, you pulled the thing, and you, you hit the jackpot. Get out. Timing. All right. Life is all life is about timing and how we use the time that God has given to us. Timing is so important when it comes to our spiritual life as well. If we want to do we want to make our path straight. It is absolutely critical that we understand God's timing in our lives. We don't like this. Okay, we as human beings don't like this. We want everything on our time. In our timing. And when God doesn't come through, man, I'll tell you what, we don't handle it too well. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, Solomon tells us that life is often a matter, okay, of timing. And this morning as we study uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, he wants us to realize that our life, our, our life circumstances are constantly changing. Yours, mine, everyone's, our circumstances, what we're going through in life, they are constantly changing and timing is everything. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it says this. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. 
A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Solomon says, he wants us to understand, okay, with all that's going on in our lives, uh, that our lives are brief, all right? That our lives are brief. We're here in a sense, each one of us, and as we get older, we, you know, we read that when you're younger and you're, yeah, I get it. When you, as you get older, you start to realize, you know, it's so true. It's like you're here one moment and, and then you're gone. You know, it's like as, as you get older, you, you see your grandparents and they, they pass and then your parents and they pass and then it's you and you have your, your children and your grandchildren and some to have great grandchildren. Time just, time just continually passes and Solomon's saying, listen guys, time is short here. Time is short. So we need to make sure that we're living every moment of our lives for Jesus Christ We need to make sure that we're praising him in every single experience that we have in our lives, as difficult as that is. In the in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon um, loves to kick off each section with a particular theme. He kicks it off with a theme. We see this in chapter three, verse one. And then he illustrates and demonstrates that theme um, as we as he goes forward. You see that in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses two through eight. So in in chapter one, in chapter three, verse one, Solomon's theme is this. There is a time for everything. That's the theme. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. That's the theme. The key word there is time and it's used. Okay, it's used 30 on 30 different occasions in in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one through eight. So we use it 30 times. That's the theme. That's what he wants us to grasp. He wants us to know that there is that there is an appointed time for everything. God has an appointed time in the heavens, in the universe, for everything. And he wants us to understand that, that, that the events in our lives do not happen by random chance. Okay? Nothing in this universe happens just random chance. I know that's what we say. Things evolve by random chance. Everything happens by random chance. God is saying it's not by random chance. God has a purpose behind all of these things. Even, even when we bring negative things upon ourselves, hear me out, okay? Because you're going, well, uh, I didn't, you know, I was, I've been abused and I've gone through this and I've had a difficult time. Even the things, the negative, sinful things that we choose to do and bring upon ourselves, even when people sin against us in our lives, he, he still, his, his sovereignty still consumes everything. God's sovereignty consumes everything. Like we've talked about over and over again, right? In Romans 8.28, we've talked about this. Listen to the words of Romans 8.28. I'm going to read them to you again. Romans 8.28. And we know, listen to this, that in all things, all things, what's all things? Things that you bring upon yourself, things that people do to you, things that God brings in your life and chooses to bring into your life, hardships, or uh, he's trying to teach you something, whatever, patience. I don't know what it is, but all, it says all things. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him 
and who have been called according to his purpose. So even though God may not do it, quote, to you, he didn't bring it. He didn't. He's not the author of sin. Right. God, it says right there in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, in all things, good, bad and different, God works for the good. Okay, for those who love him. So if I go through a really difficult time in my life, if I'm praising like Jen wrote that song, if I'm praising God, if I continue to praise God in my life, God is going to bring about good from the difficulty that I'm facing in my life according to his purpose we can take confidence in that no matter no matter what our circumstances god is active and he will conclude all things according to his perfect will he will conclude regardless of what how it comes about he will conclude he's not out of control he will conclude all things according to his perfect will i can trust him I can trust him. I mess up. You mess up. Someone else messes up. Something happens. The country messes up. God, if we are walking, will make our path straight. If we trust him, he will make our path straight. That's a promise. That's a reality. Now, I, I need you to focus even more um, for, for a moment because what he says next, I don't want us to miss. I think this is just fascinating as you dig into this. Right? The nuances of these. You read it over sometimes and, and you just read it over without studying it. You miss some things. So this is extremely important for us to understand in our spiritual growth. Growth. God uses an unusual Hebrew word translated activity. Right? Activity in that theme. He says this. And the season, and a season for everything... Every activity under the heavens. A season for every activity under the heavens. Now, this word conveys the idea of delight. Delight. Okay, to delight in something. So that's the word he uses when he uses the word activity. It conveys the idea of delight. By using the word, just walk me through this. By using the word delight. Solomon implies that, that, that we experience a season of, uh, we, can, we can truly experience a season of contentment. We can experience a season of peace. We can experience a season of joy based upon appropriate timing. We can experience based upon appropriate timing, even if the activity is not delightful. So we can find peace, joy, contentment in a season of our lives, in, the, in, act, in an activity of our lives that we may not consider delightful. You say, what the heck are you talking about? You can lose someone close to you. And you can say, as someone actually quoted what I was, this part of the sermon to me yesterday when we were at a wedding and they had lost someone, they had lost someone very close to them. But you can, you can lose someone close and you can say, I, I'm really going to miss my mom or I'm really going to miss my dad or I'm really going to miss whoever it may be. But they were really struggling. They were really suffering. And it was time. It was time, quote. And I don't know anyone who's over a certain age that has not maybe experienced that in their lives. My, my dad passed away last year. And, and when he passed, of course, you don't want your, your dad to pass. You don't want your mom to pass. You don't want anybody to pass as close to you, right? Because you want them physically there with you. But I said the exact same thing. He was struggling. His mind had gone. 
Hospice is there, and when I heard that he passed, it, it was time. He was struggling. He was suffering. It was time. So Solomon is saying even in things that may not be delightful, the activities of our lives that happen under the heavens, under the sun, that may not be delightful, we can find contentment. We can find a peace. We can even find a joy knowing that the person that we love is with the Father now and they're not suffering anymore. And even though it's hurting us and even though it's difficult, we can say, timing, that was, that was the right time. I've come to realize that if God doesn't do what I want him to do when I want him to do it, it's not because he's trying to actually tick me off or punish me. It's for my good, not for my harm. It took me a while to figure that out. Because, you know, you want it when you want it, and you can't figure out why God's not doing what you want him to do. And I've come to realize that if he's not giving Jeff Greer what he wants when he wants it, I submit myself to him on my knees and say, Lord, your will be done, not my will be done. You're doing this for my good and not for my harm. That's hard. That's hard when you can't figure out why things are happening, but we know the character of God. And then he lays out his theme in 3.1 first, like we just went through, and then he illustrates it in chapter 3, verses 2 through 8. First, he contrasts birth and death, right? Birth and death. See, this helps us, this whole idea, I love it when he starts with birth and death because it helps set out the parameters, if you will, for the events that are coming next, all the other things he's going to talk about. So he lays out birth and death. He, he compares those two things. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 2, Solomon writes, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. God knows the day of our birth and the day of our death. Nothing that happens on this planet that we call earth happens outside of God's understanding or knowledge. God is not surprised by anybody who's born and he's not surprised by anyone who dies. I can't explain all of this to you. This is where your finite mind just kind of goes, okay, God has an infinite mind. I have a finite mind. I can't understand it all. But the truth is that God is not surprised by anything that happens on this earth. He is sovereign over everything. He doesn't cause sin, like I said before, in our lives. But listen, here's the thing. He doesn't cause sin in our lives. And I want you to hear what I'm saying. God's not the author of sin, so he doesn't cause sin in our lives, but he also will not give sin the last word in our lives, right? God works out all, in all things. God works for the good of those he loves and are called according to his purpose. So no matter what the world throws at you, no matter what you've been through in the past, someone else threw at you, no matter what mistakes you've made, all right, God doesn't give sin the last word. If you in your life are choosing to change and repent and turn and want to live for him, he will not give sin, someone else's sin that's been inflicted upon you, things you've done to yourself, the world piling on. It doesn't matter. Our God is in control. He is sovereign over all things and he will not give sin the last word in my life. That's just the way it is. That's the truth. That's what God does. That's what God's sovereignty does in our lives. In verse 2, Solomon wants to get across the idea that, again, time is short. He says, you're born, 
you grow old, and then every single one of us faces eternity. You are born, you grow older, and then you face eternity. Life seems to, for some, for some people, it just seems to fly right by. God has set each season in place. God has set each season, and as we age, you start to realize it's, they seem to go by quicker and quicker, and each season goes by quicker, quicker and quicker. You know, we're in the summertime, right? Summer, summer. How quickly is fall going to come? How quickly are we going to be hanging up the Christmas decorations in the air, Right? When you're younger, it's like, oh, couldn't take, but then you get older, it's like bang, bang, bang. Those seasons just seem to roll on by. That's what Solomon is saying. He's saying these seasons just roll. God lays each of them out for our lives. But as we get older, they just kind of roll on by. Next, he talks about destructive and creative activity, destructive and creative activity. In Ecclesiastes 3.3, Solomon says, A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. To kill does not mean to commit murder here. It's very important. Okay? A time to kill and a time to heal. To kill does not mean to commit murder. The Hebrew language has a very specific word for murder, and it's seen very clearly in the Ten Commandments, where it basically says, You shall not kill. All right. So here in Ecclesiastes, kill involves capital punishment. Someone has done something, killed someone else or, you know, the law of the land and there's capital punishment or it means killing an enemy in a just war. All right. Well, no war is just. That's not true. There are just wars. There have been just wars throughout history. World War Two was a just war saving people from gas chambers is a just thing to do. So if you're killing someone in a just war, stopping them from slaughtering millions of people, that's what it's talking about, a time to kill. Whether it's capital punishment, that's the idea, the theme behind it, capital punishment or killing a, uh, an enemy combatant in a just war. There's also a time to heal, literally to sow, okay, to heal the, to heal the wound, so are there wounds in your life? Do you think about this? Apply this to your life. Are there wounds in your life right now that need to be healed? Physical, emotional, or spiritual? Emotionally, you, you could be, you're, you're at the brink, okay? You need, you need healing in your life. You need emotional healing. You need spiritual healing. You're angry at God. You're ticked or whatever. And you need spiritual healing. You need physical healing. Something going on in your life, so is a time for healing, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And if you answer yes to that, then, then don't wait. Don't, don't wait. Remember, life is short. As you go by and you hang on to that bitterness and you hang on to that pain and you hang on to whatever it is that it, it, it's, it's unhealthy, you need to take the time to get healthy, to heal yourself, to be healed. There is a time to heal. So if there's some things in your life, physical, emotional, or spiritual, this morning, before you leave here, you need to spend some time with the Lord in prayer or get someone alongside of you and say, can we go in the back room in the hive or something? I need to pray with you. I need to pray over this because I'm not, I don't want to leave here carrying this bitterness, carrying this pain. Pray for physical healing. Pray for emotional healing. Pray for spiritual healing. Something needs to give and it needs to give now because life is short. 
We don't have time to waste it. God wants to use us in powerful ways, and we're wasting our time holding on to things we need to let go and we need to heal. There is also, he says, a time to tear down. Some people, honestly, in this room, obviously people in the world, but some people need to tear down destructive relationships. They need to tear down emotional walls. You've built emotional walls and no one's getting in. No one's getting in. I've been hurt. No one's getting in. So you live your whole life not letting anyone in because some, some numbskull how many years ago did something and now the walls, you need to tear down, a time to tear down. I'm saying a time, the time is now to tear down those emotional walls and give the right people a chance to get inside a little bit and speak to your heart. Get involved in your life. Tear those down. Bad habits. Some of you have bad habits or bad hang-ups. It's time to tear those down. Tear those things down. Rip them down. It is time for some people, a whole lot of people, to tear down debilitating fears in our life. You won't serve. You won't do what God has called you to do. You won't live out the life that God has called you to live because there's a debilitating spirit of fear in your life. And you need to tear that down. A time to tear down. A time for building up and a time for tearing down. The time for tearing down is now. And you need to tear down all those things that are affecting your life and they're causing you physical or emotional or spiritual pain. Tear them down. There's also a time to build up. In the Old Testament... um, I find it interesting to tear down uh, the basically refers to either the demolition of a house or demolition or the construction of a house. But it, it can also be figurative in the Old Testament when it talks about tearing something down or building something up. It can mean the, the building something up like a house or it can also mean the building up of or tearing down of a person. OK, so there's a time to build up when you build up a person, not just a physical building, but a person. Our 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 um, our students in our student ministry had a chance um, to go on a local mission trip and do just that. Pastor Andy, he was up here talking about the peaches. He's taking it. Listen, this is so cool. He's taking it upon himself to go and start buying houses so that he can fix them up. And, and so people can pay lower rents who need it. People are coming out of, of trafficking. People are coming out of difficult situations. People are homeless people, whatever the case may be. He's been taking it upon himself to use his resources to buy these houses, fix them up so that people can do that. And our students took the time to, to refurbish um, a house that he bought um, in Middletown, I believe it was. We went over there and started working on that house. And the woman who's now living in that house, she was absolutely, you want to see, she's coming here. She's going to give her testimony. I was going to try to get her this morning, but she was out of town. Um, she's going to come and share with you the impact that that had on her life. Where Andy bought the house, the, a lot of students came over and helped to do a lot of the work during that time. She's moved from a very unsafe part of town to a very, very nice, safe part of town. And now she's living in this house with her children. And she has a ministry that impacts women who are coming out of human trafficking. So now we've invested in her. So what the kids basically did is not just physical, but the, the figurative. They built up. A, a building and a person by their investment. 
So they're doing exactly what Solomon is saying, a time to build up. They took the time, they invested their time and their resources to build up a building and to build up a person. And that's why I was saying in the very beginning, God is doing miraculous things. Let me tell you something. When you have a student ministry like we have right now, adults, we're, the adults that are here, please, I mean this with all the sincerity in my heart. We need to give them all the resources necessary to keep going. If we've got kids who, are, who want to go on trips and who want to go locally and want to invest in their friends and want to share the gospel, we cannot sit back and just hamper them and limit them in what God is doing. They don't have the kind of resources that we have. We need to make sure that we're giving, so we're giving to our youth ministry resources necessary so our kids can turn into little monsters or big monsters for Jesus Christ. The next contrast in chapter 3, verse 4 expresses human emotions. Solomon writes, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Both sorrow and joy are a part of our lives. And you really can't recognize, think about it, you can't recognize one without the other. Sorrow and joy, they're both a part of our lives and you can't recognize one without the contrast of the other. We live in a world of opposites. We, we, we experience the positive, we experience positive, and we experience negative. We have, we have good experiences, and we have bad experiences. We have good emotions, and we have bad emotions. We have positive and negative. One minute, think about it. It's like you understand this. One minute, you're like on top of the mountain, right? You come back from that trip, or, or God has just done something miraculous, and, and you're on top of the mountain. You're like, Lord is good. Praise God. He's blessing me. And then all of a sudden, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Is that not life in a nutshell? Right? Right, guys? One moment you're on the mountaintop and the next moment you're walking through the valley. Your path is in the valley and you're like, wait, what just, what just happened? God wants us to understand, this is so important, that it is okay and it is not just okay, it's important to express both our grief and our joy. He wants us to feel, he not only wants us to feel, because I talk a lot about like, you know, you can't let your, your, your emotions dictate your actions and control your emotions and control your feelings and don't make decisions on your feelings. But I don't want you to get mis- misunderstand. Those are all, I say, I hold on to those, but I'm going to jump over here now and say, God wants you to express those feelings. He wants to express your grief. He wants you to express your joy. He wants us to feel and he wants us to truly express those feelings. It's a part of being human. When, when we lose someone, when we truly lose someone, we need to grieve that they're gone. We need to feel all of that pain, the fact that we're not going to be able to physically touch that person any longer. But we can also, right, we can grieve, but then we can also rejoice when we think about the, the happiness that person brought to our lives. So in the same, the same experience, I see this at funerals all the time. People can grieve and they can rejoice at the same time. Grieve because of the physical loss, the loss of that relationship here on earth, but then rejoice in that they're with the Lord and rejoice when they sit home and when they bring you to back to their house for meals and people start telling all kinds of stories and everyone's just laughing, gut laughing about, do you remember when so-and-so and everybody just burst out laughing? You can rejoice. God wants you to feel the intensity of the grief, but he also wants you to feel the intensity of the joy joy 
that that person brought to your life. It's also okay to feel and express pain when we face life's difficulties. It's okay to express your pain when you're facing life's difficulties. Listen, here's, but here's the caveat to that. As long as you keep an inter- eternal perspective, it's okay to express to God how you're feeling as long as at the end of the day you're keeping an eternal perspective. What do I mean? Do you remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? In Luke chapter 22, verse 44, it says this, and being in anguish, Right before he goes to the cross, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And what does he say? Remember, remember just like that anguish and he's just sweating blood and he's overwhelmed. and He's like all the grief is he's feeling. And he says, Father, if you can take this cup, take this cup from me. Right. Fully human, fully human. He's allowed to feel what he's feeling. He's allowed to express what he's feeling. Once he expresses it, he steps back and has that eternal perspective, fully God fully God and fully man, and he gives us an example of how to handle it when things don't go our way. Father, if you can, please do this, please do this, please do that. Why don't you do this? Why don't you give me this? Or why don't that? Or take that away? Or whatever the case may be. But then he says, but not my will be done. Your will be done in eternal perspective. It's okay to feel it all, guys. But at a certain point, you have to have the eternal perspective and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. Jesus also wept over Israel. He expressed his feelings in Luke 19:41 it says as he approached Jerusalem he saw the city and he wept over it. Grieving is emotionally healthy because it helps us to bring closure into the into that part of our lives. Grieve if you don't grieve you don't you don't have full closure. And God is saying, I want you, Solomon is saying here in, the word, in, in God's word, he's saying, I want you, God is saying, I want you to grieve, I want you to feel it, because we as human beings need to express those feelings so that we can get closure in that season and move on to the next season that God may have for us. All this is really, really hard, just so you know. But this is truth. It's also important, though, he says, to grieve, but he all, it's also important for us to to laugh, to, and, uh, to rejoice. Let me tell you something. If you can't laugh at life sometimes, if you don't have a sense of humor, um, you're in for a long, difficult life, a long, difficult, long, difficult battle. I'm going to tell you something. If you can't laugh at life sometimes, if you don't have a sense of humor about what's going on around you, um, you will not emotionally survive. I don't know what else to tell you. You're not going to emotionally survive. Here's the big question as we close out here. Can we truly worship God? Can we trust God? Can we trust him in the good times and the bad? In each season, can we trust him in the good times and in the bad? We talked about this last week in Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Can we find, okay, can we find joy in the middle of, not at the end, a year from now when you look back and you reflect and you go, I really shouldn't have acted that way. Or whatever. Can you find joy? Can you find peace? Can you find contentment in the middle of your struggle? Can you find contentment when life doesn't deal you the hand that you wanted talking to myself can i feel contentment when life doesn't deal me the hand that i wanted can i stay close to jesus in a ever-changing consistently changing world 
Things change. Seasons change. Top of the mountain, in the valley. Can I stay close to Christ? Can I hold on to Jesus' hand? Can I hold his hand when things aren't going my way, when I live in this constantly changing world? Can I trust him? Here's, here, think about this. Can I trust him regardless of the circumstances? That, my friends, is spiritual maturity. That's where you want to get. Trusting him when things are not going the way you wanted them to go. Trusting him regardless of the circumstances. Listen, if we only praise God when we're healthy and prosperous, we will not be praising God very long or very much. If you're only going to praise God when you're healthy and you're prosperous, you will not be praising God very often because the seasons of life change like day turns to night. They just do. And that's what Solomon is teaching us here. They change. The seasons change like day turns to night. The seasons change like the tide in and out. And if we are not going to trust him, and we're not going to be praising him very often. We need to find peace. We need to find joy. We need to find contentment in every season of life. As hard as that is. We need to find it in every single season of our lives. And even, even in the transitions between those seasons. Before God brings you to that next season, we need to trust him even during the transitions from season to season. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this time that we can spend together. And God, I know that the sermons over the last, well, just being a part of Grace Chapel, um, aren't always the easiest sermons. They're not always uh, having people leave going, oh, this, I feel so great. Um, but we should feel great, Lord, that we have a great God. We should feel great that our God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us. And God, I know that this challenges my own heart. I know it challenges the heart of every person here because no one here is getting out of life unscathed. There are going to be seasons in the valley of the shadow of death. There are going to be seasons where you don't give us what we want when we want it. There are going to be seasons where other people do things to us that we didn't want them to do. There are going to be seasons, Lord God, when the world presses on us so intensely that we feel like we're going to just, we're going to break. But we know, we know, Lord God, that you're with us every step of the way that you carry us through the difficult seasons and you hold our hand through the seasons of joy. So, Father, we pray that you would help each one of us, wherever we are in our spiritual journey, whatever season we find ourselves in, God, please, I'm asking this for every individual in the room when they leave here today, that your Holy Spirit would just come around, their angels would come around, Lord God, and bring the peace, bring the joy, bring the contentment, Bring that happiness to their hearts, Lord, regardless of the seasons of life that each of us are going through. Teach us through it. Overwhelm it with your sovereignty. And bring about the good that you promised in Romans chapter 8, that all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Work powerfully in our emotions, in our spiritual lives, and in our physical lives, Lord God. And we will praise you we will praise you through every season, knowing that you love us, you care for us, Lord God, and you want the best for us. 
We pray these things in Jesus' precious, his holy, his awesome, his sovereign name. Amen. Have a great, great week.